Hello and welcome back to your next episode of the Water Trio podcast. We're talking the 23rd of November until the 6th of December and I'm here with my friends and colleagues Cassandra Tyndall and Kelly Surtees. So gals, how are we all going? How are we traveling? Excited about entering the last month of 2020? Hell yes. <laughs> Hell to the no to the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about in December. We'll only scratch the surface today, but uh, I know we're recording this a little bit advanced. But it will be nice to have November complete. Tick that box. Um, although we Bye-bye have a big now. eclipse to talk about um, as we're yes. crossing into I, yes. I think we're going there first, aren't we? So we've got an eclipse, uh, a lunar eclipse in Gemini on the 30th of November, pretty much everywhere, isn't it? It's 7.29 p.m. here in Australia and it's happening at eight degrees of Gemini. So who's going to take this one? I mean, sure, unless Cass feels very strongly about it. No, you can do this one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I mean, look, eclipses, okay, first of all, it's a full moon. So there's the heightened quality of energy and emotion that always comes with the full moon. But it is a full moon that's an eclipse. So the lunar axis, uh, the lunation axis is aligning with the nodal axis. And that's technically what creates the eclipse. This is, I think this is a a partial or an impulse Mm, eclipse. Yeah, it's not a complete eclipse. It's not a very dramatic visual kind of lunar eclipse. That said, I think energetically and emotionally, this is an eclipse that agitates or overstimulates the mind. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking a lot about the the full moon being in Gemini, a sign to do with the mind and having the north node there. So there's this kind of sense of there's this insatiable desire to get more information, to know more things, and it will be very hard to satisfy. So when I've been talking with my membership about this, I've been talking a lot about the idea that we're going to have to do a lot of mental management or kind of self-care for our mind through this lunation because I think some of us are going to have those classic full moon, illumination, bright ideas, clarifying concepts. And some of us are just going to feel like our brain is about to explode because there is so much going on that we're trying to process. There might be a lot happening in a short space of time. You might be feeling generally unsettled. You know, all the mutable signs of which Gemini is one have a tendency to worry. And in an extreme form that can manifest as anxiousness or anxiety. And so there's a little bit of a caution here, I think, to the overstimulation of the mind. Some of you will just be madly writing or reading or studying, and that's kind of like a productive overstimulation of the mind. But for others, it's going to be worrying or ruminating or just like churning something over, thinking that if you got another piece of info or extra facts and data, you would be able to figure out this thing. And I think breath work, uh, being outdoors in nature, I think taking deep, slow breaths is going to be a really like important self-care solution. And to remind yourself that the North Node, which is the node that's activated at this eclipse... Mm -hmm 
is like the top half of this godlike entity that doesn't have a lower half. And so it's constantly trying to take in more and never feeling satisfied. And so when we get the North Node overstimulation, it's a hunger for facts or ideas or interaction that doesn't actually hit the spot. So more may not be the solution at this time. So there's some of the thoughts and ideas that I have about this uh, eclipse. How about you gals? Well, I agree with everything you said. I don't really have that much more to add, except I think as well, it's not, it's, it's about communication too. And, and so, you know, there's this idea with Gemini about sociability and trying to connect things together. So there might be this really strong, deep desire to be in some kind of connection with other people whether this is through conversation, whether this is through email, whether this is through text message. And I, I agree with everything you say, Kellen. There's almost this obsessive quality to it of like, well, how deep can I go? How much can I get? And it might be time to kind of, you know, take your fingers off the phone and, and put it away and and be a bit more still with things so that the the drive and the hunger isn't overtaking. And it is that I don't know, I'm also, the other word coming up with this is verbal diarrhea. You know, this feeling mm-hmm. of often with Gemini, what can happen is it overshares or overcommunicates, especially when this, we've got this full moon involved too. So it is just be careful of the words that you're sharing or be careful of oversharing. And maybe, you know, my suggestion for this would be journaling, you know, get it, get the stuff out of your head onto paper, get it into reality. And I always suggest not a journal that you keep and you look back on in in five years' time, but do the right and burn. So just write it up and toss it to the wind or burn it up because it's not stuff you want to keep, you know, whatever is rattling around in there. But I think, you know, eclipses, they're like taking a chessboard and throwing all the pieces in the air and seeing what's going to come down. We don't really have much idea on what to do with this. But as always, it's not a time to be doing rituals. Don't, you know, be doing your usual full moon rituals. Um, Just take caution because I think Sam Reynolds, his um, analogy of this was it's like sticking a knife in a toaster um, when you're doing rituals around eclipses. You just don't know if you're going to get electrocuted or not. So why take the risk? What about you, Cass? What's your thoughts about this? Yeah, there's definitely like a real like mental buzz or busyness or like I'm just sort of like wondering, you know, this is happening at the last day of the month and then, you know, tomorrow's kind of December and there might be this rush to to connect or to converse or to, you know, like have that networking or the sociability aspect of it. Um, There might be that sort of desire to lean into that like too much. I'm also like aware of the Aldebaran fat, uh, part of it as well. Um, mm. You know, it's very close to that fixed star. So it's got that kind of potency with it. Plus a North Node, there is, it's very amplified, even mm. though the eclipse itself isn't. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of got this duality around it. Um, and then I also like think about how the lunation ruler is Mercury in Scorpio, which is kind of, almost like the antithesis of Gemini. So yes, it's got that a real like spidey senses uh, component to it as well. So it's almost like, you know, 
obviously be mindful of the words that you speak and the weight they hold, but it also might be about taking a little bit of time to let other people's words like rest on you before you, you know, react or act in in whatever way. And there may be some type of like spidey senses vibe that you can tap into. Um, And I think about the idea of having like two ears, but one mouth. So Mm. there is this idea of listen more than you speak. And around this full moon eclipse, you might get a little bit of insight and awareness around what other people are saying or speaking if you can work out, I know it's challenging for me to turn down your Gemini dial just a little bit, um, there can be a lot that can be like maybe subliminally, subliminally can't even get that out, Mercury is stationed as we record. <laughs> um, there is this vibe here that, you know, it's the intellectual like processing of things, but also letting it just like how does that feel and, again, connecting those two so I sort of like yeah there's a lot going on with this eclipse it's like a pseudo eclipse in a way so and you brought up that that piece about mercury in Scorpio and very quickly after it's going to be sextiling Saturn did you want to talk a bit more about that Cass yeah I mean it's really interesting how um November is bookended by mercury Saturn aspects Um, So we had the beginning of uh, November being Mercury square Saturn and then we sort of, you know, go into like the November-December crossover with Mercury sextile Saturn. And that happens at 28 degrees of Scorpio Capricorn. So, you know, this might be potentially like even finding um, a little bit of a, you know, support around Saturn, whereas before there was challenge, maybe Mercury and Saturn can come to an agreement or a negotiation or strategize a plan. You know, I think the Mercury, sorry, not the Mercury, the Scorpio Capricorn can be very strategic. So this can be a very good time to maybe, you know, dot a few I's, cross a few T's. I had to make sure I said that the right way. Yes, I always, (laughs) whenever I use that phrase, I have to be like, don't mix them up. It's so Virgo, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, you know, and before we kind of get into like the the real downhill of 2020 and all that the December brings, assuming that it gets brought this year, um, you know, this is maybe a little time just to sort of sit with yourself and, you know, figure things out and, um, you know, like a plan and even if that plan changes a little bit you know it's kind of a little bit of flexibility or flow with the sextile there um but there is yeah it's like before the you know the silly season really kicks off and the crazy eclipse vibes just maybe spend a bit of time with your to-do list or figure out like you know what are the things I really have to get done and free up the time for the things that I would like to do as opposed to what you kind of must do. And But being being okay with that, I'd be really curious to see for some people if there is a little bit of um, a repetition of theme for how November starts and how it ends. Just with that, the, you know, Mercury-Saturn connecting again, like, you know, for, you know, a big portion of November you know, the first week and then at the end of the month, you know, it's a long time. So I'll just be really interested to see if there's like maybe a a culmination or some kind of answer that maybe you were trying to battle with at the beginning of the month. Yeah, it's like the tension at the beginning of the month 
brought the revelations of, of how the path of ease can go forwards. And you still need to put a little bit of hard work in, but. Yeah. And that full moon lighting up that aspect and mm. an eclipse, like it's going to make things pretty clear or visible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think the, I've been thinking the same things, Cass, that the Mercury square Saturn at the start of November is like, delayed information or information that's stuck in the pipeline that takes time to be revealed. Whereas the Mercury sextile Saturn, it's a, it's like you're at home at the time the delivery person happens, which delivery person, which never happens. And you can easily do the drop off or the exchange like that Mercury sextile Saturn on November 30th. I think it's December 1st in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically like ease with its clarity around communication and planning and its ease of information being delivered. Like it's serious or weighty information. It's information that has long-term consequences or a long-term application because that's what Saturn, Saturn's not, you know, it's not just what are you doing this weekend to what you were saying, Cass. It's like the the link between the daily choices and the long-term goals or outcomes that you're looking to make. And yeah, I also think too, this is one of the last aspects, like the second last aspect that a planet Mm. will make to Saturn in Capricorn. So it's like, it's not just the wrap up of 2020. It's actually the wrap up of the last three years of Saturn in Capricorn, which was the cycle that began in December, 2017, And Saturn in Capricorn is a huge part of the mood of these last three years. And so, you know, personally and collectively, this Mercury sextile Saturn aspect feels very clarifying in terms of, oh, that's what I've been doing, or this is what I've been learning, or this is how I've grown. And that means that going forward, I don't have to, or I can do. It's sort of checking in with yourself. Um, Maybe it's that sense of, reflection around what you've done, what you've avoided, what needs to be completed, what you've outgrown. And I think to your point, Cass, around the full moon is there and there's an, it's an eclipse and it, it feels to me like pieces of the puzzle coming in and just clarifying choices for the future. I'm actually really looking forward to that Mercury sextile Saturn at Same. the end of November. Yeah, I think there might have been something like I mentioned, you know, with um, – my golden circle membership is the idea of this is a really good time that the full moon is lighting up this aspect and it is very reflective of this, you know, swan song satin aspect, you know, Mm. what were the last three years about for you? As you said, leash journal it, write it down. What were the wins? What were the losses? What were the hits? What were the misses? And what, uh, you know, even though it's not been, um, well, you know, of course it's all individual, but for the most part, it's not been a, like, you know, peace, love and brown rice kind of transit for many people. It's been, you know, it's it's been just, you know, be a little bit of a heavyweight. And but as we start to emerge out of that, we can maybe start to Mercury Saturn think and a sextile, think about what the good was, you know, and yeah, the road was hard, but I'm glad I I, I rode that road. You know, it's the path less traveled type of thing. And, you know, maybe sort of shift some perspectives or some thought patterns around the last three years and what do you want to take into the the Saturn in Aquarius? Like what rules do you want to rewrite that you don't want to repeat? 
um, mm-hmm. particularly with this, you know, I think about Saturn and the rings, like now we're inside them still. And how do you want to rewrite Mercury, your rules for the Saturn and Aquarius cycle? Yeah. Yeah. And I had a teacher at school who she would set tests and then before she gave the results, you know, so the tests were like the Mercury Saturn square, but before she gave the results, she would ask us to reflect on where our gaps were and what knowledge we had. And so where we could put a little bit of extra work in to gain the grades we really needed. And this was all in preparation for the HSC, which is the end of school exam here in Australia, or was way back then. So there was this sense of when you do, when you, you know, you come up and face against something and you have to push back hard and the challenges that we've been facing, like you put Kel since December, 2017, I mean, it's been a hard slog. What is it, you know, what last understandings do we need to have of that, of the gaps that we may have and where can we shift forward from there? So it's like that last swatting, um, or that last understanding of, okay, these tests helped me grow more resilient. They helped me grow a spine. They helped me set boundaries and say no to things. So it's seeing in the tests and in the challenges, the growth that we've all had from this place, especially as Jupiter has been in the same area for the last 12 months. So yeah. It's big, big transitions as we get to the end of the year. Thank God. Uh, (laughs) So what are we moving on to next? I think we've got Saturn moving into Sag, don't we? Pretty quickly after this. Oh, Mercury into Sag. Sorry, Mercury moving into Sag. Oh, my God. Uh, So this is happening on the 2nd of December here in Australia. I think it's the 2nd of December for most of the world, is it? Um, It's the the 1st in Canada and the US, I think. US, okay. Yeah. Cool. So who's kicking that one off? Um, I mean, I can, uh, unless you would like to, Cass. Well, let's just start with when I think of Mercury in Sag, I often think of the idea of never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the idea of fish, it was (laughs) that big. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we've got the sign of information, sorry, the planet of information, data, details in a sign that is about possibilities and optimism and endless horizons. So, you know, one of the reasons why uh, Mercury is considered to be in detriment in Sagittarius, it's trying to, you know, be focused on the big picture while looking at the details, data and logistics and things. So, um, yeah, Mercury and Sag, you know, I also think of the idea of Brene Brown, like the stories we tell ourselves. It's a great idea um, when Mercury's in Sag is, you know, particularly with, you know, in eclipse season, South Node eclipses, what are some of the maybe beliefs or the stories or the narratives that you are buying into that no longer hold true for you? So, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of juice around that potential possibility too, as these eclipse vibes are, are still very active as Mercury, the ruler of the eclipse now really changes um, the pace and moving into Sagittarius. So, yeah, what do you girls think about that? Well, on the one hand, I like it in that it's 
nice to have a planet in a sign not ruled by a malefic, you know, having Mercury come into a Jupiter-ruled sign. So there is a sense, I don't necessarily think it's super productive for all the reasons you've said, Cass, that Mercury, you know, is trying to measure things and be precise and organize deals and negotiations. And in Sag, it's hard for Mercury to stay on the details because it's doing the big picture. On the other hand, I don't, I'm happy at this time of year to do a little bit more big picture stuff to think maybe conceptually or even imaginatively about what's going on. I do think there can be a sense of like scattered, like Mercury and Sag might be mm. saying saying too much or saying yes to too many things or I think we'll, you know, Mercury and Sag can very easily get off track or, you know, go into that big storytelling when there's like one essential piece of information. Now, we've just had Mercury and Scorpio, which is focused on that one essential piece of information and not with context. And so Mercury and Sag is like all context without maybe some of the specificity. So I think it's just understanding the difference and what it's good for. Mercury in a Sag ruled, a Jupiter ruled sign in Sag, I think if you've got words of praise to share or if you have, you know, to, sh to express some gratitude to someone or there's a generosity sort of piece that you mm. might want to share, I think Mercury and Sag can be really good for all of those things. Um, Mercury will be in Sag while Jupiter changes signs, I think. Um, so there'll yeah. be, you know, or just at the very end, most of Mercury and Sag has Jupiter in Capricorn. So there's still that sense of like, optimism moderated or, or muted a little bit. Um, so there's, there's some of my thoughts. And I think, I mean, for me, Mercury and Sag, it can be a bit opinionated. Like I always think totally. about totally speaker's corner and, you know, the people in London you used to walk past and there'd be these people up there having a bit of a rant um, and everyone would gather to see it because there was the theatre that went with it too. But it is that sense of, okay, do I need to be adding my opinion to this piece? You know, am I well in, is my opinion well informed? Um does it, you know, or am I just adding hot air to all the, all the issues, making the issues bigger than they really are? So I think it's that sense of knowing when, when you're coming from a place that is well-informed and that you do have all the logical mercury information and therefore building a strong opinion from that, at that place, rather than just kind of pulling it out of thin air or saying, Hey, I, I learned this on Facebook <laughs> or on <Yes>. Twitter. <laughs> it's the truth. I promise it's the truth. So it's this sense of also, I think, sometimes Mercury in Sagittarius is is trying to juggle, okay, what's the one truth and the many truths and, and how can I look at all of that as well? Um, so there is this philosophizing <laughs> piece to this as well of, I don't know, just, you know, is there one God? Are there many gods? You know, is it goddess? Is it divine? You know, having those kind of conversations about the universe, about spirituality, are a really good use of Mercury and Sagittarius too. So, yeah, like there's existential, yeah, yeah. But we're not going to be talking about like airfares and airports, that's for sure. No, probably not. But maybe like learning, or you know, this is a great book. Yeah, yeah. I liked your words of affirmation, Cal. It almost feels like you know, while we're all kind of stuck at home this year, we could write 
little poems or, or end of year reflections with lovely things to friends as a gift. That's a great idea. That reminds me of, um, I think, one time I heard an interview um, many years ago from Tom Cruise and he grew up really poor and they couldn't afford Christmas presents for the family one year. And so they wrote each other poems um, Mm. to to read in front of, you know, the family and, you know, about each other. And, you know, this might be... um, symbolic of you know sharing those like words of wisdom or words of praise or gratitude for the people that we love and also honoring the sort of maybe frugality of Jupiter being in Capricorn this year so you know I think like not suggesting that everyone writes poems to their loved ones but you know that might be a way to kind of honor that space or you know even honor yourself or you know write a lovely letter to somebody um, old school rather than a text. Um, so yeah, totally. Old I always, re- I always remember that. Mm. And I think it was Marie Folio who talked about doing gratitude. It's like, don't just say I'm grateful for you. It's like, I'm grateful for you because, you know, get into the details of why you're grateful for somebody or, you know, what it exactly it is you brought to their life. Take that mercury down to there because it brings much more richness when you're in that space. Yeah, and I think there's something, like I was just doing a quick little look in Solify to see, well, who has Mercury and Sagittarius? You know, what are some examples of people? Um, and Brené Brown. <laughs> Brené Brown, which we know, which we we love Brené, uh, and the stories we tell ourselves. One of you gals mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. And then people like Charles de Gaulle and Lady Bird Johnson who uh, have connections to aviation, I think, I know Charles de Gaulle does. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. he was I, – I just know that the bigger airport in Paris is named after him. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head Lady Bird Johnson, but, I like, does one of you girls have a connection to her or am I making things up here? You're thinking of Nancy Bird Walton. <laughs> Nancy Bird Walton, that's who I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, okay, Lady Bird Johnson was first lady of the US. Okay, clearly I need to, like, review my politics. Um, but the – where I was, this is a classic Mercury ruled by uh, Jupiter. I'm just modeling this for everybody. Um, Storytellers and writers like Rudyard Kipling and Louisa May Alcott, who wrote the beautiful story, Little Women, which I loved as a child. You know, so there is something about Mercury and Sag that invites us into the place of storytelling because Mercury and Sag is usually trying to tell a story that has a message or has some kind of like teachable component to it. So there is this desire to uplift or expand or educate and Mercury in Sag has to use, you know, a Jupiter type method, which is storytelling. So it's learning or being uplifted through hearing stories. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, my dad has Mercury in Sagittarius and I think, you know, the being prone to exaggeration is an understatement. Right. In his case, well, he has a stellium, but yeah, so there is that, um, you know, even if you were in trouble as a kid, it wasn't just, okay, this is what you're in trouble for and this is the outcome. It was the whole, like, nine yards of ranting, raving, you know, it wasn't like, okay, get to the point, you know, so it was that kind of, um, and it would, would captivate you with the story if he was telling you like yes. a, a fun story as well. Yeah, but it can go a little bit uh, wild, I guess. Totally. Yeah. So 
That's, I think it's, it'll be a nice mood change. You know, I'd rather have Mercury and Sag as we start thinking about what's next in terms of, you know, some of the major cycles that are going to be kicking in later in December. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about going wild or maybe not so much, but we've got Venus trying Neptune oh, finishing yes. out like this. We're not done yet. I forgot. <laughs> finishing out this fortnight. So that's happening on the 6th of December here in Australia um, in the afternoon. So that's the 5th of December in the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone want to kick off on this? <laughs> Well, feeling all the feelings, I guess. Venus in Scorpio, Neptune in Pisces. And Mm -hmm. over a weekend in December. I mean, Mm. in pre-COVID times, this would be party weekend. There would be a lot of celebrations going on, whether that's drinking or shopping or maybe, you know, figuring out what kind of donations you might want to make this season. It's It feels like there's a mix of wanting to kind of escape or chill out and relax a bit versus feeling so much that you're swept up in this sense of like compassion or consideration for people that may not have what you have, you know, relative to to your place. So a lot of uh, focus on what you might be able to do to maybe create closeness or togetherness and with Neptune in the mix, sometimes we just intuitively pick the best thing in the moment to create more togetherness. And sometimes we um, kind of fixate on something that we think will bring togetherness that is actually really missing the mark. So there's just that little hazy bit with Neptune. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I, I think it's the, the compassion and the kindness piece and it, it can be where the boundaries get a bit blurred in relationship as well. It might be that overgiving, over-connecting with people, although Venus in, and Venus in Scorpio might be a bit like, oh, I only want to go so far, but Neptune takes it too far. Um, and like, I always love this connection for creativity and imagination and what's possible. So this might be a weekend to, you know, get your paintbrushes out or write, you know, use that Mercury and Sag along with this to be writing stories or doing anything that, you know, taps into that imaginative, magical world that's possible. And I do find, you know, Venus in Neptune, Venus trying Neptune is that sense of how can I bring the magic into my connections with my partners? What is it that I'm seeing, you know, might be pulling the rose colored glasses on around your partners and around the people that you share your life with and your loved ones, but it might be a good time to be doing this. It might be where we can kind of get swept up in a bit of romance and a bit of connection and allow that magic to flow in because man, it's been a dry year. So, you know, this brings a bit of water, you know, it's like the rain after the drought. It, it brings a bit of water in. So it, allow yourself to get swept up or it could even be as simple as a weekend at the beach. I mean, especially for us here in Australia, it's summertime. Yeah. So <laughs> not so much for the Northern count. Hemisphere. <laughs> I remember December's at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love that point, Leisha, about the wetness and and all the mm. things that wetness can bring with with you know feeling or connection or what have you. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Cass? Yeah, it's got like more. I guess more on a practical level and being on the weekend, it's got and you know it's now like 
early December and it's almost got that feeling, okay, I'm going to go out just for one drink. And then it could end up like a lot more than that, you know, with the Neptune component, you know, it's like Venus and Neptune together. It's like, let's get together with, you know, people we may have like not caught up for a while. Of course, if you can, if it's safe to do so. And, you know, all of those kind of uh, 2020 um, limitations, but there is this idea of, you know, uh, you get together with a friend and just, you know, the, maybe the wine is flowing, the conversation's going and, Remember that time, Leash, we just like knocked down a bottle of Prosecco and then we ran to the shop to get another one. It all just went down so well and the connection was really great and, you know, just those beautiful conversations. You know, Venus is in Scorpio. There's a little bit of depth there and, you know, just really those beautiful connections that we've been so bereft of this year. I think, you know, if the the right circumstances, the right people, and you've got that lovely kind of flow happening there as well. So, you know, could be a really great time to you know where you can make the time for the people that really matter and spend some time with them yeah and it could even be that you know where you're on Netflix and you start watching a tv series and you like I'm just gonna watch one episode and then suddenly you've watched all eight and it's 3 a.m and you're like oh my god what have I done so you definitely don't pack your weekend full of specific places to be or you know times to do things be flexible with your schedule this weekend if you can so you can just go with the flow yeah that's the lovely part of it it's not happening on a monday morning so you can just enjoy it i always love when there's a neptune a big neptune aspect over a weekend you know for people who have weekends off i think it's just a nice uh fluid floaty you know you don't have to do all the usual things and you can be kind of in that fluid feeling space rather than the regimented schedule, you know, do this, do that. So. Yeah, that's it. Or you don't have to cut a a good time short because there's something else to be done or somewhere else to go. It can be like the conversation's flowing or the food is really great or whatever's going on. um, And you can just, you know, go with that. Yes, totally. Exciting. Very. So it's a nice end to the fortnight and then kind of taking us into the rest of December. So what have you girls got coming up this fortnight? Check my calendar. Are you planned? The 23rd <laughs> of November. Uh, I'll be yes. just continuing to teach my four-part course, uh, giving people all the skills and tools to plan the year ahead using the timing techniques of perfections and transits. I'm just, I'm sitting back a little bit from my microphone because the sun has changed as we've been talking. Uh, so that's what I have going on, just getting close to the end of the year. What do you each have on? Alishi? Uh I don't have anything at this stage that I know of. I'll be just teaching as well my beginner's astrology. And if anyone is interested to know more about the nodes, I do have on my courses the webinar that I did earlier this year about the changes of the nodes into Sagittarius and Gemini. So there is a bit of information on that if anyone's interested. I'll pop the links in the notes. What about you, Cass? Um, yeah, I have to admit, I am a little bit quiet at the moment. There's not a lot happening because it's still all in the pipeline. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll have a little bit more to share next time, but still got spaces for consultations and there's my back catalog of webinars and things. And, um, 
yeah, so hopefully so much more news next week on Mercury and Sagitt. <laughs> You're still in the writing cave at this time, aren't you, hon? Yeah, emerging slowly, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, well, thanks, Excellent. everyone. Always, As always, love your comments. If you like, subscribe, share, do all the things, and um, happy December. Yes, see you next time. Bye. Bye.